Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 121 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, you know, if you're a new convert, uh, or if you've been a Muslim all of your life and just want to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, now, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. Actually, before we get right into today's topic, I have a, some housekeeping, uh, you know, stuff to, you know, to tell you guys about. First of all, uh, next episode will be the, the season finale. Next episode will be the final episode of the season, of the current season. And inshallah, we will take a break and resume next year. Uh, also, uh, uh, for those of you who care about, you know, the timings and the announcements regarding like, uh, you know, the date where the, ep- you know, when the episode will be released and, you know, when we will start the next season and all these things and the titles of the episodes and all the, uh, you know, all these stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at with Wa'il, again with Wa'il, uh, so you can you know get all the latest updates regarding the podcast. Uh, I was actually shocked because uh, uh, you know last last week I I posted uh, uh, you know the the, the episode that, uh, you know with the title the minor signs of the day of judgment, and it's just the the number of downloads was astounding. To be honest, I was I was shocked. Subhanallah, and this is all due to you know uh, the blessings of Allah. This is all coming from Allah, Mashallah, and Subhanallah. Uh, it's it's you know I think it, within within one day it got to almost nineteen thousand downloads. I, I, this is this is crazy, and it shows you by the way that, that this is not like oh this podcast is incredible. I do my best, Alhamdulillah, here to you know share my knowledge with you, but it shows that people are really really interested and they really want to know about the hereafter they really want to know what's going to happen towards the end of time it's 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 all these things like subhanallah it's a human nature we want to know and allah told us and allah knows that these things you know they they keep us uh, wondering and, and 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 they keep us on our toes in terms of like what can we do to be you know better muslims to be better people in general so yeah that's uh, i just wanted to get that out of the way uh, so yeah, let's let's talk about it. So first of all, we started you know last time talking about the minor signs of the day of judgment, and we we, we talked about that. We said that most of them, ninety almost ninety seven or ninety eight percent of them, already took place. There's a couple more that didn't happen yet that will happen, and and they will happen. Some of them will happen before, and there's one for sure that will happen after the transitional sign. So there's one that will take place. After that, actually, there's one that one that I'm talking about, well, which is basically the the the, the conquering of of the uh, Constantinople or Al Constantinia or Istanbul by today's you know modern uh, modern uh, terms. Uh, yeah, so that will be basically our last last minor sign that will take place immediately right after this. 
the major signs will will start happening. Now, the transitional sign, which is today's topic, will be basically the link between uh, the minor signs and the major signs. Once it happens, if it happens in our lifetime, we know for a fact we will witness the major signs. Which the major signs, by the way, are are going to be all supernatural. They're not going to be like, oh, adultery will, will increase or violence will increase or murder will increase or injustice and, and depression. No, 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 no. It will be something that will be globally witnessed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like I said, suspended the supernatural uh, 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 elements from happening in our world by the death of the Prophet uh, miracles basically but it's all going to come back towards the end of time and actually today we will talk about some of these things so during the transitional sign some supernatural and that's how we actually will know that this is the sign from certain supernatural things that will take place right after uh one minor sign will take place and then that the major signs will happen so now that the transitional sign like we said it's just a one sign this is one thing that will happen and uh, from it, we'll know that that's it. We are transitioning literally to, uh, you know, the, 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 the major events, like the major signs. And once the major signs take place, and there are, by the way, 10. There are 10 major signs that are mentioned in one hadith. Like all of them are mentioned in one hadith by the Prophet. Again, the, the signs are mentioned a lot, a lot in the Sunnah, a lot. However, and in the Quran too. However, um, the Prophet basically, that's what made the, the, the scholars categorize him as major because the Prophet said, the hour won't take place until these 10 things happen. And then he basically listed all of them. We'll get to that, inshallah. So what is the transitional sign? What, what's, what's going on here? What's going to happen? What is this one event that will make us know for a fact that this is it? It's, it's, it's literally the end of time. The coming of someone by the name Al-Mahdi. Al-Mahdi, that's a person, a Muslim, who will have, it. by the way, Al-Mahdi is going to be uh, something like a nickname. Al-Mahdi is not his actual name. His actual name actually is similar to the name of the Prophet ﷺ. Actually, the Prophet ﷺ is the one who tells us this. A man will come, his name will be like my name, Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Muhammad ibn Abdullah. The Prophet ﷺ, his name was Muhammad ibn Abdullah, Muhammad the son of Abdullah. Okay, but his nickname will be Al Mahdi, and literally Al Mahdi in Arabic translates to the guided one. Al Mahdi translates to the guided one, and the reason why uh, 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 his name is Al Mahdi or the guided one is because the, there's a hadith by the Prophet that basically the Prophet said that he is going to be an average Muslim. No one will know that he. This is the one. This is the Mahdi, right? He's just going to be an average. Some people actually, some scholars, they say maybe even less because of that statement that I'm about to tell you. So maybe he's even less than average. Allah, this is the Prophet saying that Allah will fix him in one night. One night, this guy's going to wake up ready to become a leader. Now, Al Mahdi is the one who will lead all of the Muslims. He will become the only ultimate leader of the Muslims. We mentioned in the last episode something regarding the Khilafah. What is the Khilafah? The Khilafah is the concept of successorship. The caliphates, right? Uh, the caliphates are, uh, are the ones that are, they, they, they take uh, charge or they become leaders based on successorship. Khilafah. And this happened during the time of Abu Bakr. 
الصديق عمر بن الخطاب عثمان عليا so far there were many actually after like عمر بن عبد العزيز and a couple more but that concept of successor that concept of leadership disappeared doesn't exist anymore and now there's like a king kingdom kings and princes and and you know and that's what's in the saudi arabia what's happening in the uk you know, the whole kingdom concept and of course in, in modern world here we have the presidents and and you know but like the concept of a caliphate or a khalifa doesn't exist in in today's world one of the minor signs that didn't happen yet this is one of the things like i said this is one of the few things that didn't take place yet is the return of the khilafa of the successorship there will be the concept of khilafa again it will take place it will happen and al imam al mahdi and by the way they call him the imam imam means the leader by the way the imam who leads you in salah in the prayers in the masjid they call him the imam right the imam means the leader the one who ya umm nas the one who leads people so they going he will be called the imam because he's he will lead the muslims the imam al mahdi the one who is guided like i said uh, and he will be the khalifa he will be a caliphate and he will basically the khalifa of all the muslims around the world not just for his people or whatever the country he will be and we'll get to that in a second no 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 he will lead the muslims all over the world so basically our loyalty will be to him he will be our if you want to call it president our king um our caliphate right uh now before we get into how this will happen and what is his background story and we even have a a physical description by the prophet sallam he described that man to us i want to pause here and 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 just talk about something um that's very very interesting which is to, in today's world some and, and, and again these are the minority alhamdulillah but some muslims believe that whether they have good intentions or not this is something we'll never know like doesn't matter what their intentions are they believe that i could be the imam al mahdi i am the they think that the imam al mahdi is uh, an idea is uh, a title like anyone can claim it which is ridiculous because you're contradicting the sunnah for those who believe that i could be the imam al mahdi you know someone by name wa'il right say i'm i'm going to be the imam al mahdi but that's not true the prophet said this number one there's a lot the prophet described in detail who that man will be there's a specific human being who will be al mahdi i'm not him i can never be him because it's just not me and you too cannot be him unless you fit all the descriptions which we believe that again it's very specific one person and even that one person will never know he is al mahdi will never know he's never going to claim I'm the Mahdi I'm your leader that will actually happen by the muslims the muslims will assign him to become al mahdi he will be actually not forced but he will be uh, pressured to become al mahdi we will talk about that but my point is you could be a mashallah a very religious uh, man a very religious brother that does not mean that you should claim leadership and lead the muslims because you are the mahdi yes you can claim leadership in your community you can even claim leadership in in, in a in a, a political position and try to you know make the muslim community better nobody's telling you don't do that no that's very halal inshallah you know depending on your intentions of course but don't claim that you are al mahdi if you're actually not because al mahdi is not a title it's not an idea it's not a, a position that you can claim no no this is one person 
and, and the reason why I'm telling you this because you might think, why is he even saying that? I, uh, nobody thinks that they're Mahdi. Yes, there are a lot of people. Actually, the, 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 the scholars, the modern scholars actually have recorded more than 30 cases. More than 30 cases of people claimed to be Al-Mahdi. Can you imagine? One of them I'm going to talk to you about right now is something that's documented online. This is There's a documentary, actually, you can find videos of that documentary uh, on YouTube. Uh, it, it's public knowledge. This is not something that's, you know, that happened that's a minor thing. This is public knowledge, right? You can look it up online. You can look it up on YouTube, whatever. You will find what I'm about to tell you that it actually happened. In the year 1979, specifically in the first of Muharram, uh, in the year 1400 Hijri, in the Hijri uh, calendar, the Islamic calendar, which technically year 1400, that means we are now in 1444, that means 44 years ago. 44 years ago, a group of extreme Muslims stormed the Kaaba with literally machine guns, snipers, you name it. They had weapons. There's a lot. I, I, I believe it was like, Around like, it's definitely over 100 people. There's not like a one or two or like a group of like 10. No, no, it's a, a mini army basically, a mini army. Went inside the Kaaba while people doing tawaf around the Kaaba, innocent people, children, men, women, they're doing tawaf. And then they held those people hostages. Yeah, this happened. This 100% took place. Again, like I said, there are videos of that documentary that I'm telling you about. You can look it up. 1979. And those people, when they held the, 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 the Muslims there as hostage, were, by the way, they were Muslims themselves. Like I said, extreme Muslims. Muslims were from, they were actually from the area. They were born and raised. They, they basically lived around the area. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because there is, the Prophet said in a very beautiful and very interesting hadith at the same time, no one from outside of Mecca will be able to attack Mecca. No one from outside the Haram will be able to attack the Haram. Okay, the Haram is the area surrounding the Kaaba, which is a sacred area that you cannot shed blood in it. You cannot do anything uh, bad in it, basically. That is what's called the Haram. What's Meaning, whatever is halal outside, uh, some of the things that are halal outside could be haram inside. Like hunting animals is not allowed in the haram, which is, it's a halal thing to do, you know, but it's not allowed in the haram. Plucking trees, which is a halal thing to do outside of the haram, is not allowed in the haram. I, I mean, I had a whole episode about that, I believe, in the last season. Uh, but anyway, so the, the, the Prophet told us, no one will be able to attack the Kaaba the, and from outside of the, 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 the area of the Haram or from outside of Mecca, basically. I'm sorry, Saudi Arabia, if you want to call it. And that's why there are people, there are local people. They didn't come from another country to attack the Kaaba. No, no, no. They were from there. Now, the interesting part is, they, and that's why Allah allowed it to happen. So Allah will, won't allow any uh, outsider enemy to come attack the Kaaba, but people from the inside, Allah will let it go. Now, they will be punished severely. Like you remember the uh, what triggered this whole uh, conquering of of Mecca, of course by Allah's will. But what happened is one of the instances that we talked about in the last season is that when there was betrayal between in in, in the peace treaty, one person ran inside the Haram because they were his people were being betrayed, and he basically uh, seeked refuge 
uh, there and then someone who was chasing him who was also from Quraysh they were disbelievers who was also from, from Quraysh now by the way the whole sacredness of the haram applied on anybody like Mecca the haram uh, Quraysh non-Quraysh disbelievers the, the pagans who live there it applied on them too by the way they followed that rule so that man went inside and he basically said, you cannot touch me, I'm by the haram. Do not touch me. But the guy killed him anyway and that triggered an entire war. Now, that was not the only reason, but that was one of the craziest things that ever took place. So you're not allowed to attack the Kaaba because it's the haram. No military action, no nothing. You're not allowed to, even, like the Prophet said, look at this. If someone saw the person who murdered his family there in the haram, that person is not allowed to touch them until they leave. Imagine you're doing tawaf in a Kaaba and you saw someone who murdered a family member. You saw him there. You cannot touch him. You cannot touch him until he or she go outside of the Kaaba or the Haram. Then you are allowed to do whatever or, you know. Now, of course, in today's world, the government is allowed to go and capture him. Harming him, like fighting, killing is not allowed, but harming, um, uh, but, but capturing him and, and basically bringing him to justice, that is totally allowed. And also the guards by the haram, these are guards. So they are allowed to hold guns and weapons uh, to protect the haram, basically. So these are the exceptions. Now, they, these people will be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala severely, you know, but Allah still allows that to take place, okay? But Allah won't allow someone from the outside to do such thing anyway so they take the people uh you know uh hostages uh and and during that they have a microphone like i said this is all recorded this is not me making up some uh, some interesting uh, plot here or some interesting story this is and subhanallah it's like a movie it's like a, a your typical hostage situation but it happened in the kaaba in the haram so anyway, so they held a microphone and they basically started talking to the people who were doing tawaf there and told them that we have Al-Mahdi with us. Because now we and we never got to the fact why they did this in the first place. So they said basically we have Al-Mahdi with us. Come and pledge your allegiance to him. What is going on? What is that? Well, apparently that group, they believe that the end of the world is coming. This is it. This is the end of the world. And uh, yeah, we, we, we have to find Al-Mahdi. So they found that person, that fake Mahdi. Uh, someone, uh, you know, and they're like, okay, that's, that's the Mahdi. He, that's, he, that's who he is. He's the leader. He fits the profile. And he, of course, he did not fit the profile, but that's what they wanted to believe, right? Uh, he fits the profile. Let's bring him in. And, you know, uh, he is our leader. And let's force people to pledge allegiance to him. Now, the reason why they did it in that fashion and they went to the Kaaba is because the Prophet there's a hadith also by the Prophet authentic hadith, where he told us that when the Mahdi appears, when he shows up, people will pledge allegiance to him by the Haram, by the Kaaba. Okay? So they said, let's, let, let, you know, they, 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 that group of, you know, fanatics or that, that, that extreme group, they said, oh, the Prophet said this is going to happen. Let's take him to the Kaaba. And force people to pledge allegiance to him. Now, people, what shows you, this is what happens when ignorance try to interpret the hadith or the Quran or even the Bible or even the Torah, the Old Testament, the New Testament, any ignorant person with ill intentions, 
with uh, without a proper interpretation and a proper understanding of the text could lead to a catastrophe. Not just the Muslims, a lot of Christians out there, a lot of Jewish people, they committed heinous crimes in the name of religion. So it shows you that, first of all, the Prophet said this will happen to the specific person who is Al-Mahdi. Not anyone can go and claim that. And of course, that's what they did. And again, some people take that text and manipulate other people. Like, the, for example, the, that group leader, he probably took the text and manipulated people and those people. And that is the, the case in any extreme groups, by the way. People take people understand the text and people who genuinely are ignorant and they believe this is what the text said because somebody told them that that's what it means. So anyway, they literally started forcing people to go and pledge allegiance to that fake Mahdi. And people were scared for their lives. So they started going there and pledge allegiance. Okay, I don't know, signing their names, doing whatever. And basically, we, we, we now uh, appoint you or assign you to be our leader. This is all, of course, bogus. This is not going anywhere. But again, it shows you uh, some extreme groups, how they think and how they believe things will take place. Anyway, during that time, the, the, the Saudi government decided to send a, a military uh, response. So they basically sent a, a bunch of soldiers to go and try to take back the Haram. And of course, the snipers, that they were snipers, by the way, on top of the Kaaba. They were literally stationed on top of the Kaaba. They started sniping them, killing them one by one. They murdered a lot of soldiers. And again, it was a massacre. It was, a, it, it, it was insane. It was insane. And, and again, killing one another, you know. So now, when this took place, for two full weeks after this, for two entire weeks, prayers were suspended, tawaf was suspended around the Kaaba. Everything was suspended. And that, again, shows you. Extremist groups, fanatics, they, they, they stopped Muslims from praying. They stopped Muslims from performing tawaf. And that shows you, mashallah, the level of, of faith they had, which was none. It was all political. All political. Anyway, uh, and when, when that happened, now during the two weeks, supplies ran short. They started thinking, women and, 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 and children need to be released. We need to release them and we need to hold the, the rest of the men and old you know old folks to old men. And little by little they started releasing some of them. Not out of the you know goodness of their hearts, but they just thought this is gonna cause more problems. You know, children now again like I said, supplies are running low uh, and they feel the pressure now. Like again, like any hostage situation. So they, they basically sent those people out little by little. They started releasing some of the hostages. But during this time, at the, also, the, the Saudi government, they uh, went to the French government, the French intelligence, which is called the commandos, I believe. They uh, uh, asked for their help. Well, what can we do to resolve the situation? We want to take back the haram. This is causing a lot of deaths and a lot of people are dying. So what should we do? So the, the, the French commandos or the French intelligence, they basically came and they were stationed in a place called the Ta'if. We all remember a Ta'if where the Prophet was, you know, attacked and humiliated by the, the, those kids, those thugs. Remember that the, the, one of the worst days of the Prophet's life, that is a Ta'if. By the way, the Ta'if exists until today. The, the city of Ta'if is still there. So anyway, they were stationed in a Ta'if, the government, the French government and the Saudi government. They started training the Saudi military on how to use stuff like uh, mustard gas or, you know, other techniques 
to basically uh, try to take back the, the, the haram. So they started giving them like a lot of, you know, training sessions uh, and a war took place, like a little battle took place using tanks, using whatever the force necessary. And there was a lot of deaths. People died on both sides, by the way. Again, like I said, there was not a small number. It was like probably, and I believe it was like around the, the more than 200 in, in a tight space that gives them, by the way, an advantage too, if you think about it strategically. So they started killing a lot of each other. Like I said, a lot of people fell dead on both sides. And here's a very interesting situation that took place. That guy that they said he's the Mahdi, he took a grenade and he threw it in inside of a tank and the tank blew up like it would. And when this happened, his people interpreted this as this is a sign from Allah. This is a sign from God that we are victorious. We are upon the truth, which again shows you people who have an agenda, people that will take anything as a sign. That's that's what happens. And they started, you know, shouting and saying, yeah, we are upon the truth and we are going to win this. Of course, they didn't. The battle started to heat up a little bit more. And then, you know, they won fully in. Like, uh, and by the way, the French did not participate in a battle because, again, like I said, not there are no non-Muslims or people from outside of, of this realm were allowed. This is by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like a command or a ruling by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're not allowed to fight in Kaab. They're not allowed to go inside the haram and fight and do all these things. That's why they trained outside. To explain to you why they did just training, that's basically, that's how was how they uh, gave help or support or aid. They were not allowed to participate in the battle. Only the, the Saudi government or the Saudi military were allowed to do that, and they did that. And they won. They took back the haram. And they captured over 70 of these extremists. That means there was a lot more. A lot more. So they captured over 70 of them and they were all executed. All of them were executed except for those who were under, I think, 15 years old. They, they wouldn't because they were like little children. Uh, uh, and yeah, so that's what happened. That is actually uh, recorded in history. That actually happened. And this is what happens when you play with the text. When you understand it your own way, groups like that show up and, and, and they wreak havoc and they cause severe damage. And subhanAllah, like those people, they basically, when they read the hadith, right, they try to enact the hadith instead of waiting for the events to take place naturally. Like we're going to bring in the end of times. We're going to do it ourselves. Who? Are you to do that? Who do you think you are to do that? So the Prophet ﷺ made a prediction that was given to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who are you to make it take place? You wait for it to happen. If it happens to you, it happens to you. If it doesn't, then wait for it. You know, it's like this hadith, like we talked about last time, we said that one of the minor signs of the Day of Judgment or signs that the, 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 the world is about to end is the increase of obesity. So it's like you read this hadith and then you're like, I'm going to eat a lot. I'm going to, you know, make myself obese so I can, you know, enact the hadith. I'm going to, you know, try to fulfill the the, 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 the prediction of the Prophet doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense in the world. You know, and those people actually inspired a lot of Muslim, unfortunately, fanatics, extremists to do the things they, they've been doing in modern times and, and all these things. By the way, those people, for those of you who watch social media or are aware of them, they have black flags. 
they have black flags in it. The, on the flag, it says La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. That idea was actually stolen because the Muslims during the time of the Prophet ﷺ had those black flags. That was the actual official flag of the Muslims. So th that flag is not a negative thing. Well, it's a negative thing because of what that group did with, right? Because of what they did and because of how the media kept showing that flag as a negative thing. But the flag is not actually a negative thing. This was the flag of the Prophet ﷺ and the companions. They, they used it when they went to battle for good. You know, not to harm innocence or anything like that. So j just a, a little bit of information about, regarding that black flag. And, you know, um, so anyway, uh, they, they basically, they used that black flag, they, the, that modern group, to be, and they, they said, because we will be the saviors, we'll be the saviors from the hadith. What is What hadith are we talking about here? There was a hadith about the Prophet ﷺ talking about al-Mahdi. And the Prophet ﷺ said, a group with a black flag will come to save Al-Mahdi. They will come to protect him. And we'll talk about from what or from who. And we'll talk about that. But anyway, this modern extreme group, they stole the idea of the black flag. They adopted the idea of the black flag from this hadith. And they claim they are the saviors who will save Al-Mahdi. Same thing, by the way. Again, this is an interesting bit of information for you who is familiar with, with, with the modern extreme groups and those who carry the black flags, the Muslim black flags. They stole the idea from the hadith because the black flags are a good thing. It's a positive thing when it's with the people who are actually believers, Muslims. They would never abuse the black flag. But those people, they took the black flag, they started murdering innocent people. Muslims are non-Muslims, by the way. They killed a lot of Muslims as well. And then they said, "What we are this? We're gonna do whatever it takes to save Al Mahdi. Where is Al Mahdi? Oh, oh, we have him. He's with us. And they assigned some some guy to you know act like he's Al Mahdi or whatever. And again, that's what I'm saying. Like it's it could be very severely dangerous. You know, like it teach like these incidents that we talked about. These incidents should teach us do not try to expedite Allah's destiny. Do not try to expedite." you know, uh, uh, hadith by the Prophet ﷺ or a prediction or something that will happen in the future that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about or the, the Prophet ﷺ told us about. Don't try to expedite it. Who are you to expedite it? Who do you think you are? Because expediting Allah's destiny always leads to failure and sometimes causes severe damage. And we've seen those groups, the, the damage that they've caused to Muslims and non-Muslims alike, to innocent people. So do not try to expedite Allah's destiny. Wait for it to happen, and it will happen. We just don't know when. You're not, you know, Allah did not uh, assign you to do that. Allah said these things will take place. Just wait for it. And when they take place, yes, we have a part to play, and we're going to talk about that in a second. And that's it. You do not start wars with people. You do not do any of this. This is not how a Muslim or, or a believer should act like, you know. Anyway, now talking about these incidents, let's actually get to who is Al-Mahdi. Now let's talk about based on, 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 on the Sunnah of the Prophet what, what is the description of Al-Mahdi? Number one, and this is something that all those who claim to be Al-Mahdi did not have, he will be from the descent of the Prophet wasallam. Directly, he will be from the family of the Prophet wasallam. None of those people was. 
Now he will be uh, from the descent of the Prophet sallallahu specifically from the descent of Fatima, the daughter of the Prophet Then from the descent, the scholars, the majority of the scholars, they agree that he will be from the descent of Al Hassan. Now Fatima and Ali ibn Abi Talib, they when they got married, they had both uh, Al Hassan and Al Hussein, two two uh, sons, Al Hassan and Al Hussein. And uh, the, the scholars basically are saying Al-Mahdi will be from uh, the descent of Dal-Hasan. Now, the reason why they're saying that is very interesting information. Because one time, uh, the Prophet ﷺ uh, was uh, giving a sermon, a khutbah. And uh, Al-Hasan, who was a little kid, a little kid, a little child, walking into the masjid. And then he tripped, uh, you know, he, uh, he tripped uh, uh, on his garment, he fell. And then the Prophet ﷺ stopped the khutbah, went and carried him. Now, he didn't like get harmed or anything like that. It was just a little kid falling. And then he continued the rest of the khutbah, the rest of the sermon, holding Al-Hasan. And then he said this to the companions. He said, my, my grandson right here will be a leader. Allah will use him or use him as a mean to fix between two Groups of Muslims Now fast forward After the death of the Prophet And we talked about last time there, The civil war took place Between Muawiyah And Ali ibn Abi Talib And later on Al-Hussein But there was a civil war That took place among the Muslims We talked about that And basically uh, Al-Hassan Was a key factor In ending that civil war Now in a nutshell Hassan, Al-Hassan was supposed to be The next uh, Khalifa uh, and then uh, a civil war took place and he gave up his position as a khalifa at the time to stop the bloodshed or to stop the civil war between the Muslims, to fix between the both sides of the civil war. So he gave up his position as a khalifa and he said, I, I, I'm, I, I'm stepping down, I'm not going to be a khalifa. And because of what he did, he basically was fixed. He, that led to the, uh, some sort of a treaty or like a, stopping um, a severe war from taking place between the Muslims like during the civil war. And that's what the Prophet said, that Allah will use him to fix between two groups. Now, the scholars are saying, but he didn't get the chance to be a leader. And in a sense, uh, as a reward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make Al-Mahdi, Muhammad ibn Abdullah, come from his descent. From his, because not from his brothers, like Al-Husayn. It will be from him because of what he did. He basically stepped down and said, I'm not going to be, become a leader. I don't want to be a Khalifa. You guys go ahead and you know fix that. And again, th th that's what the majority of the scholars are saying, that he will become, uh, because of that, Allah will reward him by making uh, the leader of all the Muslims, the Khalifa of all the Muslims, is from his descent. Allah, that's as a reward for him, basically. So anyway, uh, now Al-Mahdi, he is from the descent of the Prophet ﷺ, right? And uh, he will have, like I said, the same full name of the Prophet ﷺ, Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Also, the Prophet ﷺ described him physically. He said what? He will have a large forehead. Uh, like a wide forehead, not like a large, like a weirdly large. Like actually, it's, it's a sign of beauty to have a, a big forehead. And he will have a pointy nose or a sharp nose. Again, in, in, in uh, uh, Arabian Peninsula, this is a sign of beauty. Uh, 
so a big forehead and a, a pointy nose. He will also uh, be, and we mentioned this, he will be an average Muslim. Like he will grow up as an average Muslim or even a little bit less. And then in one night, like he's not going to be religious, basically. And in one night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fix him up. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make him incredibly religious. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make him mentally and, and spiritually prepared to become the leader of the Muslims. He's not going to claim leadership. He's not going to want to become a leader, but Allah will prepare him. Now, Allah, and, and I had a, a question regarding that. Like uh, I was giving a lecture about this. And then one of the students asked me, is that fair? It's actually a very valid question. Is that fair? Someone who's not uh, a strong believer, someone who has a, a less than an average Muslim or maybe an average at max, is that fair that Allah will just fix him up? Like, why doesn't Allah fix us all up at, like the same way that he, you know, is doing with the Mahdi? Well, number one, Allah said, Yahdi man yasha. Allah guides whomever he wants based on the hearts. Allah is fair. Do not ever, you know, doubt Allah's uh, justice and fairness. Allah is fair. Allah is not going to do this because he's from the descent of the Prophet Allah is not going to do that. However, Allah has the ultimate right to do whatever he wants, to guide whomever he wants. But Allah, as, as a consolation to, to make us not worry, Allah is telling us that he does this. Allah knows what's in the hearts, what's in the intentions. And obviously the Mahdi will have good intentions and Allah will fix him because of that. So anyway, uh, now... Here's something, how will he become the Mahdi? Okay, he's going to be an average Muslim. Allah will make him very righteous and religious. Okay, wonderful. Now, what happens then? Like, what's going to make him become al-Mahdi? Well, he will be for some unmentioned reasons. Like, the, the, the reasons, we don't know the reasons. But he will be fleeing Medina, and he's going to run and escape uh, and seek refuge in Mecca. Again, both in Saudi Arabia. Something will happen in Medina, people will start chasing him, and people will try to capture him or harm him coming from Medina. Like he, he will be in Medina and he will run back to Mecca. Okay? And he will flee Medina to Mecca. We do not know the reasons. The Prophet never the Prophet mentioned this. This is coming from the Prophet. However, we just don't know why. Like why will he the Prophet the never mentioned and there is no speculation because we just basically don't know what's gonna happen in the future. Then when he goes there, there will be a civil war between Muslims. And again, we don't know who exactly the Prophet is talking about here. You know, but what we know is that there will be three princes fighting over the treasures of the Muslims. And basically, they, uh, will, uh, they will have a problem. There will be a big problem between them, almost like a civil war, and he will interfere and he will stop that. He will resolve it. So the, the, the three princes will be fighting each other, civil war over some sort of a treasure, like we said. And then the, the Mahdi basically is trying to uh, resolve the situation. He will be dragged into the situation, try to resolve. And then a small group of men, look at this. This is the hadith that we talked about. Raising black flags will come from the east of Khurasan. It's a, a town in the northeast of of, uh, of uh, Iran or Iran. And though th that group of men will support the Mahdi. Because the Mahdi will be, like I said, will be caught in a crossfire. 
and they will settle the fight between the three princes. And basically, they will. They won't just. It won't be peaceful. There will be a battle. Basically, the the, the civil war. Uh, when the three princes see that there's going to be a war between them and that small group of men carrying the black flags, the actual true believers, not today's, you know, claimers of the black flag. And the battle will 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 happen, and the people from Khorasan will win. The Muslims from Khorasan will win. Actually, the hadith is very explicit. يَقْتَتَلُ عِنْدَ كِنْزَكُمْ ثَلَاثٍ كُلَّهُمْ إِبْنَ خَلِيفَةٍ So all the, the 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 children of 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 a Khalifa, like uh, the children of a, of a caliphate, which is princes basically, uh, or children of a king, and uh, you know they they are fighting كِنْزَكُمْ. The Prophet said كِنْزَكُمْ. Your Treasures, the treasures of the Muslim nation. So we don't know exactly what the Prophet is talking about. And then thumma tatlu sud, the the black flags, our flags, the the original Muslim flags, will appear from al mashriq from the from the east, from from Iran. qitalan lam They're going to be a massive battle. And then uh, the Prophet said, فَإِنْ رَأَيْتُمُوهُ فَبَيْعُهُ We'll talk about that in a second. But once he does that, you know, uh, uh, once this, this battle is over and this battle will be settled, that will settle it. That will settle the battle. The Mahdi will win and his people. Now, he's not trying to get any, any treasures. The Mahdi is trying to settle between, between the three princes. He's going to get caught in a crossfire. And then those people will come to help him, support him, and they will get into a battle. And then the, the battle will be settled. It's just said that the, the men will win in, tra- in terms of supporting Al-Mahdi. And also now you guys know this whole story behind the black flags and why certain extreme groups use it because of this exact hadith. They misinterpreted it, they manipulated the text, and they said, we are the saviors of Al-Mahdi. That is what I was talking about. Uh, and that's it. The, ba- the, 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 the civil war will be settled. There, won't be, there will be no more civil war taking place. And when this happens... Uh, he will become very popular in Mecca. This will happen in Mecca. He's going to become very popular. And then the people of Mecca will appoint him to become their leader. They will say, Yo, you did a great job here. You're, you're obviously very religious. You know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you know what? We want you to become our leader because of his righteousness. And, and of course, his, his leadership skills that they will everybody will witness in the region, basically. And he's going to reject the offer. Imagine. And that is a big hint for those who say, I'm the Mahdi. I could be the Mahdi. No, no, no. He will be asked by people in Mecca to lead the Muslims and he will reject at first. Then they will keep pressuring him. They will keep pressuring They will keep going to his home or his house. And of course, those people are trying to protect him. From whatever he was fleeing from Medina. Again, we don't know the the, the, the political climate that will be, you know, uh, when it comes or when that happens. Uh, and they're gonna keep telling him, "You have to accept uh, our uh, oath of allegiance." Basically, uh, you have to accept it. You have to accept it. You have to accept it. And he's gonna feel very pressured. And he also, at the same time, will see what's happening to the Muslims, and they're being divided, and they're being there's a lot of oppression going on. And he will be. Again, like I said, not forcibly, but he will be pressured into actually accepting that. And he is going to say, okay, he's going to agree to that. And he will take the, the, the pledge of allegiance or the oath of allegiance from all the Muslims between the Rukn 
and the maqam in the haram. These are two spots in the haram between the ruknan and the maqam. These are like a specific spot that he will be there. People, it's like his, call it like his office, right? His uh, commanding office or whatever. And they will go to him and they will start, all the people in Mecca, they will start to pledge allegiance to him and give him the oath of allegiance. Here's something very interesting. The Prophet ﷺ told us, once you hear of Al-Mahdi, go, it doesn't matter where you exist. It doesn't matter where you're, where you're located. If you live in the West, in America, in Europe, in Russia, in, in China, in, in, in Africa, it does not matter where you exist. You have to go and pledge allegiance to Al-Mahdi. You have to basically go and give him the oath of allegiance that he is your leader. You're, again, Muslims around the world must go and do that. Now, let me pause here for a second because there's something very significant that I you know, have to make clear, which is when I say that Muslims must give you know, the oath of allegiance to uh, the Mahdi. Now, that doesn't mean betray your own governments because you know, don't interpret this as, oh, so now our loyalty will be towards Al-Mahdi and that means we are, you know, uh, will be, you know, basically disloyal to our own governments. That's not the case. That will never be the case. At the end of the day, our Prophet ﷺ told us what? We have to be loyal to the government that we basically live uh, under, right? The, the, the ruling or whatever you want to call it. Even if it's a non-Muslim, like the Muslims in Habasha, right? The Muslims in Habasha, back in the times of the Prophet ﷺ, they were loyal to who? To the Prophet ﷺ himself. The Prophet ﷺ was in Mecca and then he immigrated to Medina. But, you know, early on in early Islam, and we again covered this in the previous season, uh, the Muslims, many of the Muslims traveled to Habasha, immigrated to Habasha, which was definitely a Christian land. And basically, the Prophet ﷺ told them, you have to follow the laws of the land, where you are and where you're at or where you're living now. And it was a non-Muslim land, right? That's why Muslims in the West, Muslims in any non-Muslim land should follow the laws of the land. And, you know, I, I remember having arguments with some, uh, I, I don't want to call Islamophobes, but people who misunderstood Islam. And uh, and I, basically they were talking about, oh, like all these Muslims, they don't like, you know, the, 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 the lifestyle of, 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 for example, America or the West. And, uh, and I said, no, but that's not the case. You know, any Muslim who is angry at the lifestyle could leave and they could, you know, travel or they could try to better themselves or better their community in a peaceful way. The Prophet ﷺ, and then I quoted the Prophet ﷺ when he told the Muslims to emigrate to Habasha, which is, again, a Christian land to follow the laws of the land, as long as they don't contradict Islam. Like, for example, if you live in a country that does not allow you to pray five times a day, that does not allow you to fast. And alhamdulillah, you know, the majority of the countries, they do allow you to, you know, the, basically the religious freedom, right? But if you don't, if you live in a country that does not allow you to be a practicing Muslim, then leave. That's the only option that you have in that case. Don't call, try to rebel against the country. Don't try to cause a you know a revolution or you know uh, betray your own government. B believe it or not, that is 
the 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 model of the the you know the Muslims, the true Muslims, do not betray your government no matter what. Again, there's a difference between if you're living under a dictatorship and you try to do a reforming, a peaceful reforming, then yeah, that's that's allowed. My point is, Muslims who live in a country, in any, by the way, whether you are a resident or you are a citizen of another country and it's a, a non-Muslim country, you have to be loyal to that country within the boundaries of Islam, as long as you're not contradicting you know, the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, back to the point. Giving the oath of allegiance or pledging allegiance to Al-Mahdi does not mean you, know, you betray your own government or your own country. No, you're just basically, like again, like the Muslims back in the time of the Prophet The Prophet was their official leader, but they were also loyal to their own government, which was in the Habasha, for example, which is a Christian government. So I hope to make that clear. Again, doing uh, pledging allegiance to Al-Mahdi does not contradict being loyal to your own government. We're not asking for people to be like, okay, now it's time to rebel against your own government because you have only one leader now and that's about it. No, that's not the case. Yes, he is the Khalifa. He will be, inshallah, the, the leader of all the Muslims globally. But that does not mean go and betray your own governments or your own countries that you guys you know, live in. Now, how are we going to know? Because a lot of people claimed in the past that they are al-Mahdi and none of them was. So how are we going to know that this is al-Mahdi, right? Well, here's the interesting thing. So one time the Prophet ﷺ, you know, he was shaking while he was asleep. And, uh, you know, his wife Aisha was was next to him. And then she, she noticed what he did. And like he was shaking while he was asleep. Obviously, he was having maybe a disturbing uh, vision or disturb because by the way prophets any type of dreams that they have are a message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a vision they don't get nightmares like we do random nightmares by you know shayateen or the jinn or whatever no 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 they what whatever they dream of is something that will happen or something that happened or you know a message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then he woke up disturbed and they told like the the the, the Aisha told him like I never saw you like this what's going on what happened he said this Something very strange. And then he told her the story of the Mahdi. And then he said, once he become al-Mahdi, once people will recognize this is the Mahdi, let's go and give him you know, the oath of allegiance. An army of the Muslims will go to attack him, will go to Mecca to attack him. What? Yeah, this is something very interesting. Once this man is announced to the, the Mahdi, he exists, he's in the Haram, he's in Mecca, and now people are giving him, again, not being forced, people are actually going to give him the oath of allegiance. Some certain Muslim countries, Muslim governments, kingdoms, whatever you want to call it, will gather a large army to go and try to take down al-Mahdi, try to, to kill him, basically, to attack him, and those who are with him. It's insane, right? This is going to happen. The Prophet told us this will happen. Now, the reasons why, a lot of people ask, if you want to speculate, because again, we don't know. The Prophet didn't say exactly why. If you want to speculate, maybe because uh, they're afraid that this guy will rise to power. Now, the Muslims are convinced this is the Mahdi, so we have to take him out. We have to like kill him and make sure that because this guy might have an influence. And wallahi, that's a lot of, unfortunately, Muslim leaders think that way. If your voice is loud enough and people love you, they will make sure that you disappear. 
again, not all Muslim countries, but in many, many, many countries that are oppressed by by dictators and, and, and so forth, they do that. And that, that happens in today's world. So imagine if someone is being told that or being like announced as this will be the leader of all the Muslims. So you as a president of a Muslim country, yeah, you don't matter anymore. Because the loyalty of the, your Muslim people will go to Al-Mahdi. Again, this is if I want to speculate. This is my own opinion, though. This is not recorded in any way, uh, shape, or form. Like I'm just telling you what I'm guessing might be the reason. Imagine if you are a president or a king of a country, and you're being told that your people are no longer loyal to you. They are loyal to the new leader that showed up in Mecca, the Mahdi. Then yeah, let's go take him out. I don't want any, you know, any uh, drama or I don't want any disobedience coming from my people. So I want to just take him out. So that's my guess, if I want to guess. But Allah knows best, of course. So anyway, the Prophet is telling us they, the, the Muslim, certain Muslims, will send an army to attack Al Mahdi. Here's how will we know for sure that this is the Mahdi, that this is not just some random person that claiming to be the Mahdi. The first supernatural thing will happen during this, this situation. Again, the first global supernatural event will take place when those Muslims, that army, that army of Muslims is about to go and attack Al-Mahdi. What is that? Earth will swallow them on their way there. Earth will split open and it will swallow the entire army. Boom. Down. It will bury them. Completely disappear. They will completely disappear. They will be swallowed, completely buried with their whatever they will have, their weapons and whatever. They will be completely buried under ground, under earth. And they won't come out. They will all die, by the way. They will all die. And that will be a global event. That's how you and me will know if we're alive at the time. This is Al-Mahdi. This is a sign right there. Yeah, that's what the Prophet ﷺ told us about. The first return of supernatural events. That will be the first. And when this happened, actually, uh, Aisha had a very interesting question regarding that when the Prophet ﷺ was telling her. She said, but were all the the the, the Muslims uh, in the army were did they all intend to harm Al Mahdi? Like basically, she's trying to say maybe some of them were being forced to go into the army, into the army, and they had no choice. Look at the interesting response, and it shows you how beautiful our religion is. The Prophet said this. He said what? Earth will swallow all of them. They will all die. There's no denying that. Nobody will will will, will be able to escape what Earth will do to them. However, they will be resurrected based on their intentions towards what, you know, the Mahdi or what they wanted to do. So if somebody wanted to go, and the Prophet said, some of them will go with the intention, yeah, we want to murder that guy. He's no good for us. He's going to cause a lot of chaos and disturbance. And some of them had no choice. And some of them unaware of what's going on, what's taking place here. I don't know. I, I was just being dragged into this army and I have to go and fight some people there. I don't know. Those people with good, pure intentions will be resurrected and they won't be punished for that by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course. So just, you know, that was a very interesting, you know, question and it makes sense, right? Uh, now, once this happened, we will know. And if for those of us who will basically, let's say we live in the West and we heard about Al-Mahdi 
and we heard that now we have to go pledge allegiance. Once this incident takes place, anybody who had doubt that this is Al-Mahdi must go. Anybody who's capable of traveling, of course, must go and give the oath of allegiance to Al-Mahdi. And the Prophet ﷺ also told us that uh, we have to, it doesn't matter where we're at, we have to go and, and give him the oath of allegiance. Look at this, even if we're crawling on ice, even if we're going to crawl, it doesn't matter, you have to go. You have to go now. If you're, uh, it's impossible for you to, to travel. Like it's like Allah knows your, you, you know your abilities and what you can and cannot do. But you have to. You have to fight to go and give him your uh, oath of allegiance. فَإِنَّهُ خَلِيفَةُ اللَّهِ الْمَدِيدَ The Prophet said he is the Khalifa that Allah appointed him on earth, and he shall be your leader. The Prophet, this is a very explicit hadith. Now, when this all happens, and then. Uh, you know, all the Muslims around the world go and give the oath of, of of allegiance to him. Now, that doesn't mean the Muslims, by the way, will only will all live in that one spot. No, no, no. Just go and and pledge allegiance to him, and that's about it. Go back to wherever you are, or because Muslims will can go back to the west or the east or whatever they lived in. Now, one of the things that the Prophet told us about the 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 the, the time of the leadership, you know, during the the, the under the leadership of Al Mahdi. Before Al-Mahdi, the earth will be filled, like we said, with injustices and tyranny. When the Mahdi comes and leads the people, earth or at least the Muslim in, in the Muslim communities or the Muslim countries, it will be filled with justice and peace. Justice. Back, we're going to go back to the, the era of the Khalifa, Umar ibn al-Khattab. The era of the Prophet you know, the era of Abu Bakr Siddiq, the era of Ali, where there was pure justice, where Muslims were actually Muslims, where believers were actually believers. You know, the entire world will be a very dark place before Al Mahdi. And if you think about it, we're almost there. We're right. There's a lot of darkness going on around the world when it comes to tyranny and when it comes to injustice. And after the Mahdi, the light will be subhanAllah shed on all the Muslims inshallah. Also, like we said, he will be the leader of all the Muslims, not just a specific country. You know, and this is actually a phenomena that did not uh, occur since the real Islamic caliphates. By the way, the Khalifa back in the day, they used to lead all the Muslim all the Muslims around the world in different countries, just to let you know. Like Umar ibn Khattab, when he had when there were Muslims in, in Palestine and there were Muslims in, in different er- areas, in different countries basically, he was their leader. Also I want to again point out when I say pledge allegiance to Al Mahdi or you know give the oath of allegiance to Al Mahdi does not it does not mean betray your own government. I already said that and I, I keep repeating it because I don't want people to misinterpret the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. I have to make, especially when it comes to things about the future, a lot of people, like you just heard me saying now all the, the crazy stories in the past, people misinterpret the hadith and they make up their own you know, stories around the hadith and their own interpretation and their own understanding. That's not the case here. Giving a pledge of allegiance to Al-Mahdi does not mean betray your own government or become disloyal to your own, you know, own country, your own people. You can become, you know, you still, you are still a citizen of whatever the country you're, you know, you're in. However, your leader is, uh, will be Al-Mahdi, inshallah. 
Now, also to show you how blessed that time will be, Al Mahdi, uh, again, the, 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 his government, the Muslim government, were raised and he's going to give charity to the poor without even counting it. Like they're going to just keep giving money to the poor. Allah will bless them with income, with, with money. We don't know exactly how. Allah will do that. And then they will give charity. Here's the thing. They, the, the, from the government of Al Mahdi will give charity to the Muslims around the world. So if you, for example, if you lived in the UK or if you lived in the US, for example, and assuming uh, that, you know, that, 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 that Mahdi is there, right? And he, Mahdi is in Mecca. He will give charity to you if you needed money in the West, in the East, you know, wherever you live, that will be money sent to the Muslims. It's subhanAllah, it's going to be a crazy time for the Muslims. Beautiful time. I mean, crazy in a good way. SubhanAllah, it's going to be just, you know, an incredible time for the Muslims. They won't need a single penny. People won't care about money. Muslims will have enough to live and live comfortably. And that's one of the things that he will do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless him with money and he's going to spend it all on the poor around the world of the Muslims. Like his time, subhanAllah, will be an incredible time. Like he will be the true leader. He will follow the examples of the companions, the examples of his great, great, great grandfather, the Prophet himself, in terms of leading the Muslims. His time will be the perfect, you know, time. And Muslims will love his leadership. They will love his leadership. And of course, that will happen after the dark times of, you know, what we see from even terrible Muslim leaders around the world. So during this time, uh, the, the, something will be cooking. Something will be cooking somewhere else. Some, some plot will be taking place, which is there will be a common enemy. Now, we don't know who that enemy is. The Prophet never mentioned who that enemy is. There will be an enemy waiting and and basically the prophet pointed at a sham now a sham as uh, those of you who know is basically a group of countries that form a sham that the, the region of a sham which is syria uh palestine uh lebanon and jordan basically these four countries are basically the sham so there will be an enemy that will appear this is the hadith about the prophet but the one of the most authentic hadith an enemy will appear to the Muslims and not just to the Muslims, to the Romans. Now, who are the Romans? Who are the Romans? The Christians of the West. So basically the Christians of the US, the Europe. So these are the Romans. So that enemy will be will go against the Muslims around the world and the Romans too. And the, the Christians of the West uh, as well. And that will lead to one of the biggest, actually the biggest battle on earth the biggest war on earth and technically it will be the last war on earth this will lead to the last war massive war the prophet called it al-malhamatul kubra the biggest and greatest battle of all time which will be very very bad it's again war is war war is horrific so it will be the greatest war of all time greater than any war that you've ever heard of by the way this is the greatest war and the last war. Now, there will be battles that will take place after, but it will be like certain small battles. 
But this is going to be the last actual war between multiple nations that will take place. And inshallah, that's how we will end the season. Next time, we will talk about the last war on earth. And inshallah, uh, we will get into the detail of that war and how that war will straight up lead to the first major sign of the Day of Judgment. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.